0: Continue our look through Hebrews chapter 7. This is day 3. We're going to look at verses 19 to 24 today, and I'd like to begin by reading those verses. Verse 19. For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have a confidence in a better hope, through which we draw near to God. This new system was established with a solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath, but there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, The Lord has taken an oath, and he will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Now, at the beginning of these verses, verse 19, the law never made anything perfect. It could not finish the work that God desires to do in our lives. The law points to the work that God desires to do in our lives. When we say law, we're talking about the Old Testament law, but it can't finish that work. Now, this is a good opportunity since we're talking about the priesthood and how much of it is contained in the law, how the priests were supposed to act, how they were supposed to give sacrifices, who was supposed to be a priest. This is a good opportunity to answer the question, how do we as followers of Jesus today, how do we as believers today relate to this law? Because it's God's word. It's in the Old Testament. So how should I relate to it? Well, the scripture is very clear on this. We relate to the law, not as to something that's abolished, but as to something that is fulfilled. That's what Jesus told us to do. Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So you don't erase the law, you understand the law, and you see how Jesus fulfilled the law. I'd even like to dig into this a little bit deeper, because I think it's good for us to understand there are three types of law that are talked about by theologians when you look at the Old Testament. The ceremonial law, the civil law, and the moral law. The ceremonial law is the law that had to do with, uh, obviously, some of the ceremonies of the, of the uh, times and, and that they would, they would celebrate the Lord on the Sabbath and have Sabbath days, but they also had to do with all the ceremonies that went along with the sacrifices of God in the temple. How you made a sacrifice, when you made a sacrifice, who could make a sacrifice, the ceremonial law. Then there was the civil law. This was the law that regarded how they were supposed to treat each other in the nation of Israel, the law of the government of the nation of Israel. And then there's the moral law, the most familiar of that being the Ten Commandments, how we're to treat everybody, how we're to have an attitude towards people that represents the character of God. Now, let's just dig into this, ceremonial law, civil law, moral law. Jesus just taught us, he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. So how does he fulfill it? How does Jesus fulfill the ceremonial law. We're going to see in a couple of verses, Hebrews 7.27, unlike the other high priests, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the other people. He sacrificed for sins once for all when he offered himself. So Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law in the sacrifice of himself, in the giving of himself. He is our sacrifice. He's also, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament, he is our Passover. So even though you might go to a Passover celebration and eat there, that's an okay thing to do. The truth is Jesus is now our Passover. He's our Sabbath. Jesus is superior to the ceremonial law. He fulfilled the ceremonial law, so it's no longer needed. Now, it's still in God's word for a purpose. It points us to who Jesus is. So when I read in the book of Leviticus all these laws about how to make sacrifices and exactly how it should be done, I don't say to myself, oh man, look at all these rules and regulations. I wonder why I'm not keeping them today and begin to get worried about something I'm not doing. Instead, I just say, wow, with a sense of awe, look at what Jesus did for me. The book of Leviticus is not about what you're not doing now. It's really about what Jesus did for you, how he gave himself for you. The ceremonial law fulfilled in the sacrifice of Christ. And then you have the civil law. These were laws that were made to, in essence, set the nation of Israel apart from all other people. Now, when you hear civil law, you think, oh, that's the municipal laws. That's the laws of a city or a county. Not not when it comes to Israel. It was more than that. They are the same kinds of laws in some cases, but if you read them carefully, you'll see that there's a lot of laws about purity. There's a lot of laws about making them a people of purity, who they could relate to, who they could not relate to, what they could touch, what they could not touch. Different from our kinds of laws because God was saying to them in these civil laws, I'm setting you apart to be a people for myself. So the main purpose of the civil law was not as a legal code, but as a purifying of God's chosen people. This civil law in one sense is fulfilled in the spirit of God and in the body of Christ today. The church today, the people of God, we're now the people of God, the church. The church is purified by the blood of Christ, not by the keeping of a law. Purified through the spirit and not through the law. So the people of God has shifted from a nation of Israel, so you don't need national laws to try to keep them purified from other nations. Now we are a people who have been set apart within all the other nations. That's what the church is. We, by God's Spirit, are set apart within the nations. We don't have to move somewhere else and not touch this and not touch that. There are things not to touch. There's things not to do. But within the nations, we can be in the world, but not of the world. And the only way you have the power to do that is by the Spirit of God. We're to be the body of Christ in the world. That's what the church is to be. That's how the civil law, being the people of God, has been fulfilled in Christ. And then there's the moral law, the law that's so familiar in the Ten Commandments a guide to a great life, living the kind of life that God wants us, wants us to, having the kind of character he wants us to. Galatians 5.14 reminds us that the whole moral law is summed up in a single command and even in a single word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love. The moral law is fulfilled through the command of Christ to love. So if you look at James 125 or James 2, verse 8, it tells us there that we're now under a different kind of law, a royal law, a perfect law, and it's the law to love. Now, you may or may not have been interested in the law and how it works in our lives, but we need to be. We need to see how the Old Testament fits with the New Testament and how Jesus has fulfilled the law in all of these ways. With this in mind, the fact that Jesus has done this, go back to verse 19. Listen again to verse 19. For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have a confidence and a better hope through which we draw near to God. I want you to notice those words, a better hope through which we draw near to God. There was this group of believers that were first written to for this book of Hebrews who had begun to discover that even in Christ, life in this world is not perfect. Have you begun to discover that? Life in this world is not perfect. And so they had a thought. They thought, let's go back. Let's go back to the law. Let's go back to something we knew before. Maybe it'll give us the perfection that we're looking for. And the writer of Hebrews says, the law's not perfect. It never made anything perfect. What do you think you're doing to go back to something that never made anything perfect? In fact, the only purpose of it was to point to him who is perfect, to him who would fulfill the law. He's telling them, he's telling us, stop looking for a perfect life in this world and start looking for a better priest. Start looking to the better priest who can give you a better hope because that better hope will give you the confidence to draw near to God. If I'm looking for a perfect life in this world, every time something goes wrong, I think, oh, God must not love me. Oh, I must have done something wrong or God must have done something wrong and it causes me to draw away from God. But when I look to Jesus as the better priest and I have hope in him, that gives me the confidence to draw near to God. And that's what I need. That's what you need. What we're being told here is this. The better my hope, the better my relationship with God. Now think about this with me for just a minute. The better your hope, the better your relationship with God. One of the reasons you need to focus on heaven is because it betters your relationship with God right now here on this earth. One of the reasons you and I need to not put all the stock we have in the circumstances of this life is because it, when I put my hope in him and not those circumstances, it deepens my relationship with him. If you have a relationship with God that's just based on circumstances, God does good things for me, he must love me a lot, God did allowed something bad to happen in my life, he must not love me, you're never going to have confidence in your relationship with him. You need a hope that's above and beyond your circumstances, and you have one in Christ, That's what the writer is saying here. You have that in Christ. So draw near to God. Let's do that right now. Our Father, we draw near to you in confidence that we can because of what Jesus did for us. Whatever the circumstances in my life, in others' lives, in this world, I can draw near to you. So I do it right now. I realize you're here listening to me, hearing me, caring about me, and that you have an eternity of hope for me And Lord, I rest in that today. I don't only want to rest in that. I want to go from that place of rest to live in that kind of hope today, to live in that relationship with you. Forgive me for those times when I've drawn away from you because I've thought somehow the circumstances of my life meant you didn't love me or I wasn't loving you well enough. Lord, I'll never love you well enough. But the truth of the matter is I can draw near to you because of what Jesus has done for me. Thank you. Thank you for that privilege. Thank you for that great joy. In your name I pray, Jesus, we pray, amen. Tomorrow we're going to see together what Jesus is able to do that no one else can do.